Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode, it's The Ritual with guest host Bobby Rebholtz. My name is Dan, and I put dryer sheets in my shoes. My name is Jeff, and I text by swiping. My name is Jimmy, and the worst TV shows in no particular order are The Masked Singer, Flip Sync Battle, and the new I Can See Your Voice. I have not watched any of them, but I know. <laughs> All singing That's pretty shows. Good. Yeah, they're they're bad. I was going to think, I, for some reason I was like, he's going to say Modern Family, because that's a bad show. I don't mind that show. You know what's much. really funny? I like funny? that one's trying to be funny. Uh, get your bingo cards ready, because <laughs> my wife just rented uh, the first disc of Modern Family. Ooh, really? Video story. Yeah. I've seen them before, because I watched it when it first came out, Same. and I was like, this is okay. It's in fine. In 2009. Yeah. But whatever. It's yeah. not that great. I Every week I hate Dan's. <laughs> yeah like what maybe 75 percent of the talk you're talking your your fun facts yeah are boring it's like you just thought of it <laughs> five minutes ago when you're like oh i'm wearing shoes no I i've had this on my list for like a week wow you've I, really been wanting to talk about putting dryer sheets no in this shoes. is a fun fact we used to not even meant like comment on them like at all or we'd comment on one now <laughs> it's become this to. big thing we don't have to talk about everything um but it, yours basically it, it serves two purposes. I found about out about this on the internet. It's, yeah, I've it's, heard about it's it. It's a thing. Yeah, it is. The main reason why I do it is because I wear um, uh, inner soles, like a mm -hmm. corrective, because mm -hmm. I have bad feet. And uh, they used to squeak every time I took a step because a little bit of air would oh, get under yeah. the inner sole, okay. between the inner sole and the outer sole. And when you step down and go... <laughs> just like that like spongebob yeah so i did not want to sound like spongebob as i walked through the hallways at work it would be like there goes cool. dan yeah in his way to the toilet again so someone online was like i actually googled like how to stop your shoes from squeaking and someone was like put a dryer sheet in there and what hmm. it, what it basically does is it just um it just creates like a little space where there's no air you know what i'm saying just like absorb some of the air and when the air does pass through there it i don't know we just switched from dryer sheets to like a wool ball because it's like it does. Oh, I've seen those. At it the does store. the same thing, but it doesn't have like the fragrance and it's supposed to be better for babies. So it's supposed to have a softening effect, though. Yeah, it does the same thing as a sheet, but without like the fragrance or the chemicals or whatever that are mm. on it. I've seen those in stores and was like, what is the purpose of that? I haven't noticed a difference. We mm. just started using it, but we washed all the baby's clothes with it. So well, it's oh. funny because I used mm, to use ah. um, a fabric liquid fabric softener ball in my washing machine because I didn't have a fabric softener dispenser. So it was this little plastic ball that you filled What's up a with fabric softener? softener dispenser. It's, you know, the little slot in your in your washing machine where you pour the fabric i didn't even know that they softener. had liquid fabric softener who yeah. is this guy you don't use are, you talking about, wait, are you talking about dryer sheets no oh i'm thinking about something different oh i don't use fabric softener no. in the washing machine no oh i do oh anyways so then i saw these wool balls and i'm like do you just soak those in liquid fabric softener so i won 500 dollars at lowe's and i had to use it within an hour uh in april oh. 2019 and coming down towards the end of the hour we were like 
get a bunch of Tide Pods. So we got like three huge things and we're still using them in October awesome. 2020. This Those is are... the most boring first yeah, yeah, really is. episode no, we've ever is. done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it right now. So this episode, this episode of Talk Me Into, uh, we have a very special guest in-house here. Well, not in-house, but over the power of the internet. Uh, a friend of mine, friend of the show, and new to Jimmy and Jeff, yes. we have Bobby Rebholtz, who's a very talented uh, creature and graphic designer. He's worked in video games, film, TV, um, and he is here to give us his expertise and talk us into the film The Ritual. So, Bobby, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, usually we take this time to do a little mini segment of what we've been into this week. But when we have guests, we like to delve a little bit deeper with them. So we wanted to ask you just a few questions about your history and, you know, where you're at with with design and what you do on a day to day basis. Sure. So what first got you into art and design? Uh, well, when I was about four years old, I started drawing and my, I was lucky enough to have parents that let me watch rated R movies. And <laughs> That's so, so cool. And most of them, most of the best ones are rated R. So, oh, yeah. so I was watching aliens, predator, ghoulies, you name it all throughout the eighties. And <laughs> by, by the time I was nine or 10, I was obsessed with American Werewolf in London and, and all that good stuff. So mm. that's what got me into drawing. And I used to steal paper and just draw on it. My- <laughs> I had to sneak across the street to my friend's house to watch Total Recall when I was like eight. And I was like, whoa, there's three of those? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to ask, do you like uh, Alien or Aliens better? Uh, the, what, okay. I've been asked this so much. I, I absolutely love the first one. But the second one holds a special place to my heart because of the characters in it. I, oh, yeah, the, for sure. I mean, the first one's horror-based. The second one, it's just straight up James Cameron action all the way. It just, I love Bishop. I love Hudson, Ripley, all of them. They're just great. Yeah, I love the first one, how atmospheric it feels. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you, like, what sort of, like, projects have you worked on? Have you worked on, like, films, um, video games, anything like that? Yeah, I... I got my first real video game break. It was back in 2012. There was um, there was a game called War for the Overworld. Okay. Which, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old Dungeon Keeper games from like the early ni- late 80s, early 90s. But uh, they never made a third one. So uh, we kickstarted a spiritual successor to it, and it was successfully funded. And I worked on that. I worked on. Uh, hmm. I, I worked on a movie that's not out yet, but I can say it. It's uh, Jacob and the Sea Beast. It's going to be released on Netflix in 2022. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Cool. The, the co-director of Moana contacted me from uh, Art Station and they were just like, hey, we like your creatures. Can you can you draw stuff up for two weeks? I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's all. <awesome. laughs> um, my most recent project, uh, I did a uh, f- design for father and son turtles for uh, geico's um rv commercial oh that's funny i'm familiar with that commercial that's cool (laughs) yeah the motorhome commercial so yeah that's funny oh so uh where do you um like where do you think you sort of got your start doing this sort of stuff like have you like um like was it 
I'm trying to look for the words for it, but like, um, when did it turn into a career? Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I graduated with a degree in industrial design, but I knew I did not want to design sinks and faucets and, and stuff like that. And this was back in 07. So between 2007 and 2010, I was kind of like a, at a crossroads. So I had, I had an industrial design job, but I, I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. So I moved out to LA in 2010, came back to Cincinnati because I lived in Cincinnati at the time. And that's when I started freelancing and realizing the freedom in that. And then, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I started teaching at my alma mater at the University of Cincinnati. So I was teaching industrial design drawing, but I was drawing creatures and characters from like 2011 on. And I got serious about it right around the end of 2011 because of the whole Kickstarter thing. And it, I was, I realized that, okay, I'm, I'm actually in the industry now. <laughs> People know who I am, so I can't F up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I've checked out some of your stuff and you're really talented. I, I'm, Thank you. you. You do some really good stuff. Yeah, so Bobby, you're doing a lot of stuff right now um, that you mentioned. You've got an upcoming project for Netflix and things like that. What, what are your goals for the future? And if people are interested in contacting you, what's the best place to reach out to you? Um, well, as far as what I would love to do, it is a mixture of video games and movies. And mm. I, as far as a position goes, I, I'm kind of open to anything. I don't really care about going to like being a higher up just as long as I get to design really cool stuff. I don't care. You know, like I, I had a dream for years and years of designing a scarier creature than the xenomorph. Like that was (laughs) my number one goal as a, as a career, because I look at artists like Neville Page who design Cloverfield and and stuff Mm -hmm. for super eight. And I was like, I want to do that. So, yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you yeah, have any like um, video game creature like inspirations? Like, do you have any like games you would like to work for or like? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gears of War and Doom, hands down. Oh yeah, Doom's a great one. How yeah. about um? Have you dabbled with uh like um what's it Dark Souls or anything or Bloodborne? Oh, I haven't. I actually haven't played it, but I have the art of book Dark Souls three. I think yeah. it's two, two yeah. or three. Yeah, the creature design in those games are amazing. It's more on the dark side, which I love. And enough, um, Dan, I'm sorry. I don't want to forget this. If, if anybody wants to contact me, <laughs> my email is bobbyrebholtz at gmail.com. So I keep it simple. Um, yeah. And I know you also have a um, sort of a, a freelance website. You're on ArtStation, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, bobbyrebholtz.artstation.com. Yeah, that's a cool site. It's got a lot of your information on there and some artwork, your portfolio, yeah. print, prints that are available. So that's cool. And and it's interesting when I when I think of like what you what you do. I'm not a visual arts person, so to speak. So to me, I always wondered what the world of possibilities would be for that type of career. And when mm-hmm. I first met you, um, the thing that jumped out at me, which I didn't even think didn't think about but i was a big fan of the sci-fi series uh face off and you actually did some work on that as well right yes i it was funny how that happened i um there's a older website called conceptart.org and in the job section there was the sci-fi channels logo and in the job description it said hey 
we need characters and creatures designed for sci-fi and horror fantasy. That's it. And I was like, oh, hell yes. That's for me. So I, I emailed them and in my line of work, you have to have patience because art directors typically don't get back to you. It, like if you inquire about a job, be prepared to wait four to six months. I got a, I got an email back in a day and a half. Wow. And I was wow. freaking out because I was like, holy crap. <laughs> the post-production manager actually emailed me. And so she's like, um, when can you call or when can you chat? And I said, today. <laughs> so I got on a conference call with the CEO of Sci-Fi. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And uh, it was the post-production manager and one other person, I think the art director. And they were like, we need you to sketch the characters from the final makeup. So if you've ever watched the episodes, you'll see the drawings in the middle of the episode that show up on the screen. And then the final makeups at the end, well, I had to draw some of the the drawings. Oh, that's and cool. Yeah. So I worked on it from, uh, season eight until it ended in like season 13. I wasn't the only artist too. So no, that's more. a, that's a cool thing though, because I mean, it's when, something you don't really think about, right? Like you see a lot of animations or art, you know, drizzled throughout these yeah. reality shows or other shows, like even in like intros or outros of episodes, yeah. it's something that you appreciate, but you don't really think about the process yeah so yeah just so just to wrap that up um i'm just curious about how that process worked were you given footage of the characters and then you had to do an inter interpretation or were you working from the um effects creators like rough sketches how did that process go yeah it was uh it was totally getting the finalized makeups um it was kind of strange how we worked but it was not really backwards but it kind of was because we already knew what it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. However, however, we had to make it look like concept art because mm -hmm. the audience, the millions of people watching it thought that the makeup artists were the ones that drew the stuff. Right. And, and, makes sense. and sometimes they did because, you know, the beginning episode, the camera would focus on their sketchbooks when they go out for inspiration and stuff. But, um, no, we, we had the, the way it worked was every single week I would get contacted with a new project on a Monday and on a Wednesday, I had to have a rough done on a Friday, the final done. And then wow. it started again the Monday and it, and I did that for two years straight. Wow. So yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. There was some stuff in there that I, I didn't really like doing, but hmm. there was also like whimsical stuff. I didn't know what I would, I didn't know what the hell was going on, <laughs> but, uh, luckily the show knows how to add the horror aspect. So it was kind of like pan's labyrinth type stuff. So right. oh, that's yeah. cool. So this week, um, you're going to be talking us into um, a film called The Ritual on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more in our next segment. But it was uh, it was cool to hear about your history here. Uh, thank you. All right. So this week we are talking about a film that the three of us have not seen but our very special guest Bobby is really into and wants to talk us into it. 
So, Bobby, what is your experience with the movie? Um, how did you uh, find out about it? Well, I am always perusing Netflix to see what what horror movies are about. And I saw The Ritual and I thought, you know what? If it has any kind of cultish or religious over undertone, I might like this even more because I'm into the more demonic type stuff. Mm. Mm. And I started watching the film and uh, I, it was different than what I thought because... I didn't know it was about Norse mythology and mm. stuff like Now, this is spoiler-free, right? Can't say anything. Yeah, spoiler-free. Spoiler okay. Um, so, I I was really enjoying it. The creature design was very different than what I'm used to. Um, it was much more, how should I put it, uh, like spell-based instead of just straight-up organic horror because I, I, me being a creature designer, I'm used to drawing stuff with tentacles and tons of teeth and I uh, won't give anything away, but this particular beast is huge. Uh, no tentacles though. No I'm tentacles. Out. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Screw it. <laughs> um, no tentacles. And there, there are aspects about the creature. You're just like, wait, what the hell is going on with that thing? So, uh, so is this is this a movie that you've talked other people into? Like, like when we started this podcast, the cons the concept was like when you get together with your friends and you're like, "Oh, have you seen this? You got to check this out. It's really cool." So, is this a, a movie that that's done that for you? Yes, mainly because the atmosphere was good, but also I'm a huge fan of people getting lost in the woods <laughs> and. There's just something about things looking for you while you're in the forest. Oh, yeah, it's like just, the, uh, the Blair Witch. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's yeah. like, you know, you could be in tight corridors like Alien. You could be in a spaceship. You can be in sewers. There's oh, just yeah. something about the woods where it, you don't know what you're seeing, but you kind of do. Mm. Um, so, it, it, if you don't mind the... You know, the F word every two seconds. It's a really, really good movie. And the uh, it's the whole story about why the friends are there, I think, is one of the coolest aspects of it. Aside from the neat creature. But nice. Yeah. So. So, uh, so you said this is available streaming on Netflix. It is available on Netflix. If you just type in the ritual, it. it shows it it's been there for months and i don't think that they're going to take it down anytime soon cool all right so yeah. uh we're going to watch the film the three of us we we don't have any exposure to no it, right? i've heard of it i think i've seen like the little thumbnail because my wife loves horror movies so we frequently go through netflix to see if there's anything new added or new movies so i think i've seen the thumbnail but I don't think I've seen the movie. When Dan asked me, I was like, yeah, I've seen that. But then when I read the description, I was like, no, I haven't. I just, <laughs> I've just seen the, the thumbnail. And yeah. that's it from you, right, Dan? No, I've never seen it either. I I thought there was like a, uh, like a horror movie in the late 80s, early 90s called The Ritual. It's but, a pretty common name. There might have yeah, been right, or yeah. some variation yeah. of. But I definitely haven't seen this. All right. So we are going to watch the movie. And when we come back, we're going to be spoiling the ritual and find out if uh, we are all talked into it. If we've of our talked into it. We've of our talked into it. Talked us into it. Yeah. 
All right. I hope I don't get an F. <laughs> this is the juicy part of the show, everybody. This is where we start talking about the movie The Ritual. We've all watched it. Yes. We've all went to our respective homes, got all cozy on our couches, turned off the lights to get extra spooky. <laughs> And watch the Netflix film, I believe, and hoping the ritual. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you watch it as well, because we are going to be spoiling it. A lot of spoilers. We're talking about, well, I think that uh, what we're going to do, usually we talk about the plot of the film more than other aspects. Mm -hmm. But because of Bobby's background, I think we're going to focus a lot more on the design of the film. Cinematography, yeah, direction. Things like that. We're still going to talk about what <coughs> happened in the movie. Yeah, so, we can probably go through that pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's kind of without putting the movie down. It's kind of a basic plot. It is, yeah. Because it, it is surprisingly for a a movie like this, like a horror movie, a creature movie. There's a lot of character development, which sometimes mm. uh, I was pleasantly surprised by. Makes or breaks a movie like this. And uh, Bobby, you did touch on that in the spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So the movie opens up with uh, a group of friends. I think there's five of them initially. Yep. Yep. Who are trying to plan like a guy's vacation, a friend friend vacation. And uh, there's some a lads trip. Yeah. There's some debate <laughs> amongst them as to like what they're going to do, where they're going to go. This is also incredibly British, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That should also be a, a, a spot on our bingo card is yeah. things being incredibly British. Yeah. I guess we bring that up a this, lot. Bobby, you picked a good choice because we are Anglophiles. So we watch a lot of uh, <laughs> British film and TV. It's just something about British film, man. It gets me every time. Yeah. yeah. They talk about Donner kebabs and yeah. like, I'm, yeah. in, I'm into this. I like this. So they are in a pub as they would be. Yeah. And they're, they're having this conversation and it sort of gets narrowed down to like either Las Vegas or hiking in, in, uh, Sweden. Yeah. Which is pretty, uh, pretty ironic. Uh, you could see that this group of friends that maybe used to be closer when they were younger. Now they're older. Some of them are married <laughs> with kids, you know, they're sort of drifting. So this, this last <clears throat> trip is, is important to maintaining their friendship. And uh, as the evening rolls out, rolls on, they end up uh, heading to a liquor store to pick up some booze. And uh, that's when a big shocking scene happens. I did not expect this to happen. Instantly engaging. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm in this. Yeah. So there's uh, a robbery in progress in the liquor store. And uh, the two creeps, uh, they confront uh, two of our friends who are inside the store and uh, are asking for their wallet, their their watch, stuff like that. One of the guys, um, I'm really bad with names in this film. Luke, I believe. Luke's the main <laughs> character that lived. Yeah, so he is sort of like hiding out behind one of the island caps while his friend uh, is being accosted. And um, uh, basically, he refuses to give over his wedding band, and he's he's brutally like. Killed. When I was watching this, I was like, "This is relatable because I am a bitch, and I would give everything <laughs> to whoever wanted it." Yeah, you except, have to. except for the ring, because this is like my right. wife's grandpa's ring. So I'd be like, "No, you're not having this," and then well, I would just get caught in the head and murdered. Yeah. Jeff says that, but I've seen Jeff in <laughs> confrontations, <laughs> and he would whip that wedding ring off so fast. He may like mumble under his breath, like, I don't want to give up my wedding ring, as he tosses it towards them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible situation. He, uh, Luke, you know, obviously feels some guilt. He had an opportunity. He, well, he froze in the situation. Yeah, he right. was sort of weighing out the options of possibly like trying to fight back but inevitably he does not and his friend is killed as soon as that happened i was like oh this is a guilt movie yeah 
strong cold open yeah and it was only like five minutes i like how they just they set it up you know what's going on right not dwelling on it it's not 30 minutes of him crying yeah it was good good setup and uh then we get into the bulk of the movie which um i want to talk about and you know as we start to talk about design and things like that bobby one thing you touched on in the first half of this episode is um how being lost in the woods uh can have a greater effect on like the psyche of an individual than possibly other settings of similar nature. And I think this movie does a really good job of that. Um, the friends have decided in remembrance of their fallen compatriot to uh, go on the hiking trip in Sweden um, that Rob had suggested is sort of sort of a way of living out his, his memory um, being together to honor him. And, uh, Pretty quickly, uh, the tide changes. Um, one of their group twists an ankle. Dom. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like his knee. He says, oh, yeah. He says it's his meniscus. And that never happened to me, but I have arthritis and gout. And that guy <laughs> did. He did a lot better than I would have in that situation. I would have just laid on the mountain and said, let the vultures take me. Get home to your loved ones. And there's some question as to how serious that injury is. His friends sort of... Uh, yeah, they're all sort of playing it off. They're like, you're fine. Well, that's seems what you like guys would type. do. You're like, you're fine. And I'm like, no, I can't. My leg is the size of three yeah, legs. Yeah, that, that's actually true. I yeah. probably would be like that. So they decide to take the inevitable shortcut through the woods. And now, um, this is where, like what Bobby was saying, I fully agree. Like, there's something about being lost in the woods. And without getting too, like... Um, too heady or digging too deep i really feel that there's something like primordial about this oh yeah uh like there's an animal instinct instinct inside human beings like throughout evolution and generations of of human beings living in the wilderness there's something ingrained in us that like what you don't see behind those trees could kill you yeah yep and I think the movie does a really good job of like creating this claustrophobic, dizzying environment where that succeeds. They do because I don't. I mean, I don't know how much of this is actual forest or like a set, mm-hmm. but the trees, the way that the, they film it, you can see these tiny slivers through, and like you're supposed to see, like uh, when when the friends are walking. You see them walk off and then they're hidden and then they like come out between these little slivers. Yeah. So your eyes kind of focus on that. And they throughout the movie, when you start to see the creature, they do the same thing. So you're already you already notice that like, okay, where should my eyes focus here? Because you don't know where to look. Mm. There's tiny little slivers all over the screen. And I thought that just the way that they filmed that was good. And it was dizzying. It is like when you're in the woods, you don't know if, if you walk for like 10 minutes and turn around. You don't know where you came from unless you're on a path. So, Bobby, what did you think? I mean, we've we've got a hard juxtaposition from the opening sequence, which is very urban. We see the interiors of the liquor store with the harsh lighting, and mm-hmm. that comes back into play later on. But comparing in the way we sort of snap from that into this wilderness in Sweden, which is very um, cold and disjointing and unwelcoming. Trap. Yeah, what, what did you think of that from a design perspective? Uh, I thought that it was an excellent choice because you almost feel cold and depressed with them. And it's like when you're lost in the woods, um, you're so close to food, but you're not like you can get water cause animals do, but right. you, you being a stupid human, like we don't have cups yeah. and there are tons of squirrels and birds around, but we don't have arrows. And it's like, um, 
what's going on there? And, and the whole time I was thinking one of those guys is going to confront Luke about how much he hates him. Oh, and yeah. It, and it was dumb. Oh, like, I didn't know who it was going to be because I, I knew Hutch was kind of on his side the whole time. Like, he was sympathetic towards towards Luke. But but I could totally see them making it Hutch do that because he's a sympathetic one. You wouldn't expect it. Yeah. But Dom just exploded. And, and I was waiting for that to happen. So throughout the whole film up until that point, I was like, oh, my God, the tension is there because people are getting hurt they're hungry they're lost yeah and their friend died and it's just like luke's going crazy seeing and hearing things and it's like uh something something's gonna go down <laughs> and you get you get that immediately because luke in the beginning he was the outgoing one like the party guy mm-hmm. and yeah. as soon as they're in sweden he barely talks he's sad I mean, rightfully so, but he's yeah. really quiet. So you see that right off the bat that they're building tension. Yeah. And it's, I thought that they did a thing right where they didn't show the creature too quickly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I immediately thought of was Shyamalan's The Village. So, oh, yeah, that uh, is a good touch. Say point. whatever you want about Shyamalan. He, I think he filmed the woods part really well mm-hmm. and uh it was kind of like the same thing where like the scene where luke went up thinking that it was a hill and he just came to more of the trees and it looked like they were like you said planted in a row or whatever yeah and you can kind of see the creature you see the staring like, at him and like and then, really light shadow yeah and, and then all of a sudden it moves and you realize holy crap the thing is 18 feet tall yeah and so so it's like, wow, this thing is much different than I thought it was going to be. So um, I don't know. I, I just thought the cinematography was great. Yeah, I, I was thought. just going to say that too. I I think the cinematography in this in this movie was really good. Like um, what we were talking about earlier is that you feel claustrophobic in a wide open. I mean, it's not wide open because you're surrounded by trees, but theoretically, there's nothing around you, and like you're still feeling like, oh man, I don't want to be in this place. But that's all done with with the camera, you know. And, um, and the way that they use light, darkness, and shadow. Because yep. there's some dream se- sequences, too. There's a psychological aspect to this creature. And there's one part when Luke is dreaming in the tent or having a nightmare. Um, and he's sitting in the tent. And you just see the shadow of a uh, creature you haven't seen kind of like swipe over the tent. And it's really, it really makes you feel claustrophobic and unsettled because his back is to the creature. He doesn't even really know where it is. And I really like that shot. Yeah. And I, I know Jeff um, sort of questioned how much of this was shot on location and how much was um, on a set. And I was just reading um, the film was shot entirely on location in the Carpathian Mountains of Romania. So even when they did like the kind of like half liquor yeah. store that was in the woods. Uh, that's what this is saying. I mean, it's brief, but I, I think that adds to what we're talking about, because so often when you see films um, that are supposed to take place, like in a wooded area that are that are shot on set, you see a lot of trees in the background, mm-hmm. um, but they give the actors a lot of space to move. Um, whereas in this movie, I think the reason why it feels tight and close and, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for where everything's closing in around you claustrophobic, claustrophobic is because there's trees in the foreground and there's rocks in the yeah. foreground. And yeah. so, so the camera's having to fight its way through this sort of thick wood. Um, 
it reminded me a lot of like Jimmy reference Blair Witch Project. Yeah. This um, this movie itself felt a lot like the Blair Witch Project. They use the flashlight kind not not to highlight jump scares because i don't think it was a jump scare but like when the flashlight's panning and it's across the tv when you're sitting in a room that's not well lit your eyes focus on that and then it goes away and there's a tiny flash of the creature in the darkness Mm -hmm. so as your eyes are still adjusting you just see this flash and you're not even sure what you really saw yeah so um we should probably go through a little bit more of the plot so um they're going through these woods because they're wanting to uh make a Shortcut. Um, a shortcut for the most part and um in there they find basically just a mauled animal like just like hung up in the trees and they're like uh what is that that's really weird and um so obviously they're all freaked out about that and um from there they basically have to camp up for the night and they find this abandoned cabin and around there there's these strange symbols and stuff and they're like oh what's putting those up there and um they get into the cabin and they find they find upstairs like this like shrine basically it's very strange looking and really creepy it reminded me a lot of um some of the hereditary stuff at the end of the movie yeah. where they had these like shrines and stuff and i was like "Ooh, this is spooky so, bobby you mentioned that you like the occult and you obviously like uh interesting design what did you think about like this wicker straw idol effigy yeah that they had up in that cabin when you first I, yeah i mean at first i'm like what is happening is this religious or is this demonic like right. what and he like when they went up there i immediately thought okay what is the little house that they're in like who lived there who right. built that thing um and then i started thinking is this creature uh human Right. Like, are they are they overtaking an animal? I just, I, I had no idea, and that's when stuff really started to get bad. <laughs> yeah, and I, um, I love the introduction of these like sort of reminiscent of Nordic runes and mm-hmm. glyphs yeah. that you start seeing carved into the trees. Um, there's moments of this that seem very traditional. Um like Hansel and Gretel. I got that vibe. People a lot. lost in yeah. the woods. Um uh, there's a lot of traditional horror tropes um like the uh compass is malfunctioning and mm-hmm. they're making bad decisions and there's a sudden storm that they need to hurry to get out of. So that kind of leads you along, but there's also um Jimmy reference hereditary. I I see especially as we go throughout the film and see more um influence of like um, Norse culture yeah uh, sort of it reminds me of like we're in the dark woodsy holiday of midsummer so like we're in the yeah. world of midsummer but instead of the bright summer sunshine we're in like the cool autumn forest <laughs> yeah I know what you mean I could definitely see that so um from there they're um they they decide to sleep there even though they all don't want to but they pretty much have to because it's really late and um, they all have like really strange nightmares that, where they're basically like sleepwalking and like screaming and it, it's just this whole big thing and um, Luke the main character wakes up and he has these marks on his chest and it's well I think creepy. this is also the first time we get a flash of Luke back in the liquor store yep this is the whole guilt thing so yeah whatever is causing um, these nightmares is sort of 
preying upon his fears and regrets and doubts. And I think um, the way they are incorporating that visually is like super interesting to me because it's a melding. Uh, it's not like a typical dream sequence where they could have literally just shot him back in the liquor store. Instead, they sort of bring the liquor store into the forest. Yeah. So, so and each time, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but each time he has his flashback, it's less liquor store and more woods. Yeah, that's true. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it progressively deteriorates. Like his memory is kind of like going or his guilt is dissipating. Mm. Um, I don't know what their intentions were, but you could look at, look at it that way for sure. Yeah, so um, they all basically like wake up and they're all freaked out. Um, it, Phil is like worshiping that statue upstairs, which is really weird. <laughs> And uh, as Jimmy referenced, Luke has been marked. Yeah. Um, he has like multiple little puncture wounds on his chest. Yeah. Got a tramp stamp with the antlers. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're all basically all freaked out about it, but they have to keep on moving forward. They have to try and get out of the woods. And um, they're all having like a big squabble. They're all kind of freaked out about it. And um, from there, I believe we have a confrontation with the with the monster. I don't remember exactly what happened. Well, so they are walking and things are getting creepier. They see like footprints around this creek and they're like, oh, there are people who live here. Mm -hmm. And then um, I forget if it's in the night or during the day, but Dom gets taken basically. Right. And um, he gets strung up in the trees just like it wasn't. No, that was Hutch. Hutch. Oh, I'm sorry. So he gets posted up into the trees like the animal they had seen. Yeah, which was creepy and everyone was freaking out about it. And that's when they start to think like whatever is happening is intelligent. Yeah. Um, there's debate amongst the group whether it's like a monster or a group of people. But whatever, they're like, it was placed here in front of us so that we could find him. And uh, it's just creepy. That's when the idea starts to happen that something's hunting them. Yeah. And unfortunately, they all pretty much get picked off. Like, um, yeah, throughout the course of this movie, uh, uh, Hutch is the first one to go. I think Phil is next. And then um, um, after that, it's basically just Luke and Dom. Yeah. And um, they're trying to run away from it and they get captured by the fiends. Yeah. Which is what Wikipedia calls. them. Okay, (laughs) I just call them hill people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, they're Swedish hillbillies uh, who are living sort of like an arcane lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. and they're sort of like roughed up, knocked out, and they wake up, they're tied up in this room. Um, they're being treated reasonably well. I mean, they're given water, yeah. their wounds are sort of tended well, to. Well, Dom is, isn't. Yeah, well, then Dom is pulled away yeah. because... He's they, not marked. Right. He doesn't bear the mark. So they choose Dom. They drag him to an upstairs room. They beat him up a lot. Yeah. And then so they bring I don't, him back. I don't know if you guys watch with subtitles, but I had the subtitles I on. I did, yeah. And it didn't say speaking uh, Swedish. It said speaking unknown language. Yeah. So sometimes subtitles could like spoil character names or things like that. Mm-hmm. But with this, you're like, oh, it's a different language. It's yeah. like some kind of demonic, otherworldly. Not Because to me, I would just be like, that's Swedish. Right. It's not English. I don't know what it is. They're in Sweden. It's Swedish. Yeah, it's helpful to watch with subtitles sometimes. But um, yeah, we we sort of figured out that um, they're Norse worshiping people. They are all um, they're worshiping this creature, um, which turns out to be the bastard son of Loki, which, which is, is interesting. Really interesting. Well, is it or is that what they're ascribing to? Because they don't know. And that's a good, very possible. But that's yeah. a good question. It does speak to them. So like, I don't know. 
uh we find out later that it does like speak a weird language um but i always f with some uh norse mythology like i love the new god of war game where they're uh exploring the norse mythology so uh, i was really interested in that so um i was like oh this is kind of cool and um it also sort of speaks to a corrupted norse mythology though because mm-hmm. it's almost like um as jeff sort of referenced this group of people we find out later is living abnormally long lives yeah so it's almost like a group of people who in ancient times you know worshipped the traditional norse pantheon has been isolated in this forest and it's been corrupted and skewed towards this what they refer to as a jotun which yep. is like a an ancient godlike creature or you know dark creature demon right, yeah um, that has like given them immortality. So it's almost like they've become a cult of that creature. Right. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so basically Dom is being prepared for sacrifice. Yeah. Which is all really messed up. And apparently his nightmare was like sort of, uh, preparing him for that. Mm. He even said like, oh, I'm going to see, or I saw my wife and then all of a sudden I was killed by this creature. And, um, that's basically what happens. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's, he's tied to this like post and um we hear a big rustling in the woods but then all of a sudden a little lady walks out when i heard the rustling i was like gail and then he said gail at the same time i said gail and i was like did i write this (laughs) (laughs) so yeah his wife walks out and uh i mean i knew like i'm like this is a hallucination or the creature's a shapeshifter or something but then when it comes up to him and starts caressing him, we see the reveal of the actual creature. And this is the first time we get a good look at it. Yeah, let's let's have Bobby take over yeah. this part. <laughs> well, I when I first saw the creature, I didn't really know what to think at first. Is it going to have big is it going to have big teeth? Does it have like a moose head? I have no idea. And then all of a sudden it showed like the torso similar to the straw torso that the mm-hmm. uh what's his name was worshiping and then it showed the hidden face with the arms out there mm-hmm. and the whole that was the head and i'm like oh wow i've never seen this before and it and being a creature designer it's really damn hard to come up with something that that we have not seen before because when- when the creature stands up a little bit later and you see like the full anatomy, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. how do they design? It's kind of like the people who design Transformers toys. It's like two in one. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, that's pretty wild. So this first glimpse that we get is a, is a close up of what turns out to be almost like the top of the creature's head. Yeah. Would you say Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it's almost as if the the top of the head was the torso and the arms but the head is gone and the head was shoved up inside the shadowy part yeah where you can only see the eyes and then the arms come out for the face (laughs) yeah it's very strange but my first glimpse what i wrote down in my notes was that it reminded me of um like a hollow in a tree stump with yes. eyes peering out at you. Kind of, yeah. I could see that. So that's what I first thought. And then we pull back and we get more of it. Um, and it's like an elk. Yeah. So basically it's this, it reminds me the body sort of is like giraffe-like. I don't know, like, yeah. a, or like a very tall, overgrown elk. And the head is, um, like you said, it's like a torso with its arms extended, turning into antlers. But then there's a second set of humanoid arms coming out the bottom. 
Yes. Which, when it lifts its head upwards, become almost like like mandibles. Like there's some like insectoid features to it. Yeah, it's it's wild. And when it was when it was looking at him, I thought, okay, this thing is just pure evil. Like yeah. It doesn't. There's no sympathy in it. There's nothing. It's just you're in the woods. These are my woods. And I'm going to kill you now. Thanks. <laughs> and that that seems to be like borne out too by the way the creature um, sort of demands uh, fealty. Uh, so so Dom is inevitably killed. He's thrown into the trees. Well, not thrown, but he's sort of impaled on yeah, tree branches. Yeah. It was interesting to see that actually happen. Yeah. Actually see him like get pushed into the tree. I was like, ooh. And wh- while yeah. this sacrifice is playing out, it's intercut with scenes of Luke... Um, Trying to escape. Basically, yeah, escaping in a very gruesome scene of him dislocating his thumb. Yeah. Oh, oh. Which I, I am not a body horror guy. I don't like seeing close-ups of, like, mutilation or bones breaking and stuff, and so that scene was just really cringy for me. Made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah. Oof. But... He, it- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it just reminded me of Saul, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Luke um, Luke makes his way up into the attic of the home, and he finds all these weird, um, like, wicker people that are actually, no, they were like, like, living. They were, yeah, all, they were, like, like, super decayed. Yeah. Almost mummified, because they weren't skeletal. Yeah, yeah, it was very strange. What did you take from that, Bobby, at from like using because they never flesh it out they never tell you what this is so it's open to interpretation i'm curious what you thought man so many thoughts ran through my mind because at first i thought are they keeping these people up here because they eventually died because they didn't worship the thing anymore or are they actually the older norse people that gave the creature the power they have to keep them there because it's almost as like the the creature is kind of like the fuel is spirits and it gets its fuel from those corpses. Mm. So but if you screw... When the corpses were eventually destroyed by fire, which <clears throat> we'll talk about the visual aspect yeah. in a second, the creature still persisted. So I don't know if that's the case, but I think the, the point, that's not really the point of this movie, right? You don't need to know the why. It's just the, yeah. this is happening now. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was pretty visually arresting to see. And correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, this looked like practical effects. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they look like puppetry mixed with maybe some like um, facial appliances on actors. And um, either way, when Luke starts setting fire to them, I thought that was like really powerful to see that happening especially, in real time, especially because he was doing it so matter of factly yep. and not like rushing because he it, it was like, is this going to work? What am I doing? Let's yeah. just light him on fire. And he didn't do it in like anger. No, it was he more was just, like, like disgust yeah. and like revulsion. Like he just burnt it as he walked through. And that, was, that was a really yeah. cool scene. Very like stark with the fire in the background and like the faces distorting really slowly uh, in the foreground. It was really interesting too, because before Dom was taken away, he says, you're going to burn this place to the ground and get the hell out of here. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's actually doing that. <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. And I think yeah. to to call back to what Bobby was saying about what fuels the creature, I I tend to agree with your take on it um, only because this seems like a creature um, that could be much more substantial and uh, powerful if that hadn't happened. 
Um, yeah. I don't think Luke would have stood a chance as he did um, just being able to evade the creature and things like that. It seems like what the creature had done previously was at a much higher level than now. So I, yeah. I tend to agree with you that he took away some of his power by eliminating those what seemed to be like corpses. Yeah, but pr- previous generation of wor- worshippers that he right. they had kept around. And the other thing that I... Th- that I thought they might have been was uh, after the creature impales people in the trees, like if they go back and retrieve the bodies mm. and if they just kind of put them in the there to let them rot. But yeah, I mean, if, if, the, if those villagers are immortal and they've been around for a long time, there'd be a lot more bodies in there. Yeah, that's true. Than just the small congregation. Yeah. I think somebody <laughs> said somewhere that they don't move the bodies. So I, okay. I, I don't think that's, that's right. But, um, okay. yeah. but either way we see this final confrontation between Luke and the creature where, um, he basically like tries to shoot him with like a single shot rifle, which was just like, bro, I was as soon as I said that I was quoting Winston Zeddemore, which is like if somebody asks if you're a god, you say yes. But I'm like if somebody says if that's a god, you don't shoot it. Yeah, you um, just run. Yeah. So then they have this chase through the woods. Well, it was kind of at first he was like I'm going to get revenge, and then he realized I can't get. It. I got. <laughs> but like he just ran, like he didn't know where he was going. You're just on instinct trying to get away from it yeah and to to me like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when the the creature does catch up with luke and we see what his um his goal is like i mean we skipped over one small thing which is that one of the villagers explains to luke that he was marked because he had more pain than the others Um, yeah so when he does confront the creature it becomes clear that the creature is not primarily interested on killing luke what he wants is to to f- force him to worship yeah it's kind yeah. of just like preying on your weaknesses mm-hmm. so that you can have a follower but it's also sort of reminiscent of these um like tales of um people forcing like traditional like judeo-christian um yeah like missionaries to like i remember in feudal japan when missionaries went there they would famously be forced to stomp on a picture of jesus um, to, uh. to renounce their faith. So um, this idea that he's being forced into a prayer position mm. and mm-hmm. um, he's he's rebelling against that by standing and not not allowing himself to do that is really powerful. And the creature like gives him a chance to, you know, he gives him a second chance to bow yeah. down. And uh, Luke refuses to do that and uh, gets the axe. Yeah, gets the axe. Smashes him right in the face. Yeah. Which is also the torso. <laughs> yeah. <kind of. laughs> and um, makes a run for it. And this doesn't seem to really take much out of the creature either. I mean, he's no, he's he's annoyed by it. He feels a twinge of pain, but he's he's right up and moving after Luke. Yeah. And then um, it's sort of like kind of gives up because he finds out that he doesn't really have that pain anymore. He sort of like faces fears. Is it? Well, there's that. I think it's twofold. Is it also yeah. that the creature is bound to the woods yeah because as well, soon yeah, as he that, hits that the tree line yeah. he stops and they also again going back to like the light and jimmy likes colors yes we've I talked about this before but as soon as he leaves the the woods uh it's a little sunnier yeah uh, the pasture is a little greener but here's my theory that i actually watched the video about the ending of this movie because i was very interested in, in sort of like oh this North might be a yes stuff. bobby you might have um, talked jimmy into this <laughs> Uh, 
it, it's it was very possible that the creature was manipulating the wood so they couldn't escape that's why they couldn't get out all that time right so yeah, um that. that's that's why my my guess was that like he's basically like a lost cause yeah yeah but this yeah. this also did something that i like when uh it just ends there's no yeah. like you know 20 more minutes of him trying to figure out what it was or going back home and explaining you don't need to see that that's not the point you just he gets out and it's a little open-ended but yeah. they show you what you need to see yeah and, and what jimmy said is right uh if he had dwelled in his pain and his guilt and his sorrow like the other villagers clearly had and just given up and bowed down to the creature he would become one of them but the fact yeah. that he found it in himself to move past that pain and to literally stand up for himself mm-hmm. is what it took to get him out of the woods yeah yep. so um usually at this time now that we've gotten to the end of the movie we sort of talk about overall thoughts so i want to open up open it up to to you first bobby um do you have any overall thoughts about the you know arc of the film the design of the film the acting directing anything like that that you want to touch on um i think well the only problem i had with the film was i think that they could have gone a little bit more into the design of the creature um you know i'm all about simplicity Mm. but it they could have gone uh, it's like for instance when you look at a creature you look at a human or whatever you get a sense of the personality of it when you see facial features and stuff and and yeah it's creepy the fact that you can only see its eyes and nothing else but i want to know if the sucker has teeth in there like i want to know if if there's a skull shape in there yeah um and but i i commend them for giving us something truly unique because almost every creature movie now it just has the same thing yeah just the same and I, I don't know what I don't. I sigh every time <laughs> I see stuff like that. And I think overall, cinematography was beautiful. Acting was very good. I thought Luke did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, they all they all acted like you would if you were lost. And it's like Blair Witch. You know, the, when the three of them got lost. The director didn't have a script for him, really. They were just like, get pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. And and, um, and I think that the, the the director really captured that well. Um, I would like to have seen them go just a little bit more into detail about that village and like why it was just there mm. and why they knew about it. But other than that, I mean, I thought it was an excellent film. The gore was just the right amount. <laughs> um I thought the like the color of the film was good, if that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, the, absolutely. You know, every director has that, and um, music wasn't overbearing. So yeah, I, I give it like an A minus. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit. Um, when you had suggested this topic to us, you said in a text message, uh, "Keep your surround sound up." <laughs> and I, I do yeah. think the um the not just the score, which I thought did a good job of setting the tonality and um sort of amping up uh the 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 fear and the um like impending feeling of impending doom. I thought the yes. score was really good at that. Mm-hmm. Also, just sound effects in general and the like sound design, sound I design, yeah. yeah, the sounds of the woods and that um. 
yeah. it just added to this feeling of um like inevitable inevitability that they were being hunted like early on when they're lost in the woods there's just that sound of like creaking and twigs snapping and animal sounds mm-hmm. and and it does bounce all around them so it just yeah. feels like they're literally in the middle of this like maze so i thought that was really done well um and i also wanted to give a shout out to um the creature department um i'm trying to look up their information right now but um bingo yeah i have a bad (laughs) habit of thinking of things i want to look up while i'm talking about them Uh, but i thought that it was done well because the creature did seem unique and like you were referencing so many times especially in these like i don't know what the budget on this was but i know it went directly to netflix yeah and uh so i feel like a lot of times we just fall back on the roots of like these very traditional like cthulian monsters with like tentacles and talons and teeth and um so to see like a lot of new shapes was really refreshing to me and yeah uh, i'm pretty sure that um the creature design uh was done by someone who works a lot with guillermo del toro i could definitely yeah I, I do remember. You don't have to look it up. Somewhere. It's fine. We could just move on. From I this read stand. it somewhere. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I thought those were definitely strong suits of the film. I agree. Uh, I wish some of the dialogue between the uh, villager and Luke had fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, like again, to call back to Midsummer, we we yeah. there were moments in that where we did get to find out more about those people and their rituals and things like that. So I could have used a little bit more depth, um, especially on the people in the attic. Mm. But I thought the film was visually arresting, especially. Um, and I like how it was sort of a modern interpretation of like a Hansel and Gretel, mm. Blair Witch type vibe. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you have any yeah. final thoughts? Mm, I don't know. I think I'll I think I'll wait till after. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll give my final thoughts. Um, basically, I was really into it from the beginning. I I love the Blair Witch Project. This gave me a lot of feelings from that. Um, I also love that it had no jump scares. I love I love when a horror movie doesn't have jump scares because one I yes. hate them. They're and cheap. Two, yeah, too. I think they're very cheap, especially in a horror movie. Um, so I was really into that. I loved all the characters and. I love when I watch a movie and I don't know any of the actors because it's a little bit more immersive. It's like, oh, yeah. I don't need to know who George Clooney is and like sort of like I have to forget everything I know about this person. He's a new character to me and just things like that. So I always appreciate that. Um, I love the character design because his face isn't de- isn't defined because there's just that one little like element of like a little bit more creepier than it would be if you knew exactly what it was and like where it comes from and like what it can do to you so i was really into the fact that like he's not like fully formed in our minds and stuff so i thought that was really cool and um of course all the cabin stuff was really creepy all the stuff in the attic both of the attics i thought were pretty pretty gross and scary and gave me all the spooks so bobby now's the time of the podcast where we usually turn it over to you to ask us if you talked us into it did i talk you into the movie (laughs) is that what i'm supposed to ask you yep one okay yes yeah we all liked it yeah it was really good yeah i think it's also an expectation thing because i was expecting it to be total poopy because it's like a netflix it seemed like a generic 
horror movie that would have been cheaply done mm. and like oh they're in the mm. woods we'll just use the dark to spook you but no i thought it was good and it didn't get too crazy like it was simple but not overburdened by tropes and it mm-hmm. was like with the monster they did the build and the reveal just right it was just yeah. good enough like it was spooky it was creepy um they didn't spoil anything there was tension throughout um there was you were just unnerved at the whole thing but and it was predictable it wasn't anything like groundbreaking but it was just the right amount of everything yeah i agree it was it was it was like a very serviceable meal like you eat it and you're (laughs) like that was good you'll probably not go back and have the same thing or you'll never crave it but like if this is on or in a few years like i'm just like i want to watch something creepy maybe i will but yeah it was fine yeah, I agree. It wasn't like an amazing movie. It didn't blow me away, but everything about it I thought was like really good. Like there was nothing that I disliked about the movie. So I was like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And I thought it was a perfect pick from from your point of view, Bobby, because um, I mean, this, the creature stands out I and mean, the movie is is good and strong and creepy before that. But it's so refreshing to see like an, yeah. an interesting uh design and like a creature that i wanted to see more of wanted to learn more about and uh it just had a lot of different looks um the the creator i was talking about was keith thompson he's a he's a guillermo del toro uh collaborator so i i think the it's built in there with um you know the quality that you'd come to expect from someone of that caliber and i think it delivers yeah yeah and that's cool. And the other thing that I really liked was the, the ending where he just yelled at the creature. Yeah. yeah I thought true. that was a, a really cool way to send off like, ha ha, F you, <laughs> I'm out of the woods later. Yeah, yeah. cathartic. <laughs> Don't growl at me ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and weirdly, um, this the film is based on a novel that turns out was actually based on some level of real thing that happened. Did you hear about this, Bobby? Oh. Nope. So obviously there's nothing monstrous or demonic about the real case that we know of, but it's the true story of a group of friends who went hiking in the Swedish forest um, to memorialize their friend and they all went missing and later their corpses were discovered. Uh, And strangely, they had been gone. uh, they, They had been missing for a really long time. And when their bodies were found, they were highly preserved which was strange and uh, there's really uh nothing more known about it but it inspired the person to write the novel Hmm. it's sort of uh an homage to that true story so yeah you can look it up online if you're curious and find out more about that creepy oh definitely definitely curious in the meantime we want to really thank you uh again bobby rebholtz has been our guest for this episode it's been a really uh interesting look at the design aesthetics of the ritual and uh you know modern horror movies and things like that bobby um where can people find you online i know you have a pretty big instagram presence um yeah i mean the instagram is where i post most of my art uh i try to be daily with it well every other day now um just my name, Bobby Redholtz, and then the website, bobbyredholtz.artstation.com. Um, and really, I mean, that's, those are like the two biggest places. Uh, Facebook, I, I have my 
my thoughts about Facebook. Yeah, I, 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 I deleted mine or got, <laughs> got rid of it. I used to use it for my artistic platform, but now it's just keeping track of family and posting my drawings, but not really caring where that goes. Right. <laughs> we all feel that. You know, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So thank you so much again for joining us. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, talk you into something someday. Ooh. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you want to uh, find our show, it is at, at talk me into on Twitter. Talk me into at gmail.com. If you want to, if you feel so inclined, you can send us an email there. And uh, we have a new Instagram account. You can find us talk me into pod. Go find that. Jeff's been posting there daily. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Jeff, where can people find you personally on people the web? People can find me on Instagram at Large Hard on Collider, on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27. That's Jeff with five Fs, the number 27. And like Jimmy said, we are on Instagram. Talk me into pod. Going to get uh, interactive with people. So follow us. It'll be super fun. Dan, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, I'm on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown and you could check out my band at olddogsmusic.com that's old with an E dogsmusic.com you can find me at son of a fitch s-o-n-n-a-v-a-f-i-t-c-h on Twitter Instagram and YouTube where I'm posting some more stuff it's pretty good thank you for listening to talk me into what will we talk you into next Fleabag are we out of the woods yet are we out of the woods yet He could have had another health scare that he doesn't want to talk about, like a stroke or something like that. And then he just said that that's yeah, why I went to maybe. medical Walter Reed. Yeah. Or he could have nothing and just have realized that from now until election, he we'll only to... talk about Donald Trump and we won't talk about any of the and big he doesn't have negative to go to the things. Debates. Yeah. All right. Let's stop talking about this and record. Okay. Because I don't like it. So, Dan, you're going to start it off. Okay.